0: And welcome to episode 40 of the Pink Bike Podcast. Today, we're talking about everybody's favorite happy subject that definitely doesn't stir up any controversy or arguments whatsoever in the comment section. That's right. It's the annual Pink Bike Awards. And Casimir, I swear I just heard you groan. You didn't make the sound, but I heard it in my head. That's how connected we are. Telepathic connection over the awards. It happens sometimes. Right. I'm Mike Levy, your host, as usually, I'm here with James from the UK, Brian Park, and of course, Mike Kazimer, who you just heard. Brian Park, can you tell us tell us what the Pink Bike Awards are and why we do them, just in general? A Pink
1: Bike Award is a highlight of the best products and things that have happened in the last year. Uh, it, we do Mountain Bike of the Year, some value stuff, mountain, value mountain bike, value component, suspension product of the year is a big one um component a bunch of other things and then of course also the achievement awards so performance of the year comeback of the year event of the year that type of thing and yeah it's been a weird year in mountain biking but it's been a great one so when when did you guys first launch the pink
2: bike awards they were here when i when i started yeah. 1973 <laughs> it feels like Casimir. I think it might have been around 2013. We used to kind of do editor's choice kind of Mm -hmm. awards before that, but I think 2013 might be the first official year where we put it under one umbrella. So the hard thing with that is we've all got our own personal favorites and
1: things, and we wrote some of those articles this year. But this is something where we all come together and argue a lot to determine what what products really owned the zeitgeist of whatever the year is. So yeah it's uh there's each category has its own little intricate individual rules and you guys can talk about them on each in each topic but yeah that's what it is and it is just our it's just our picks too people people get really stressed about this and some manufacturers get stressed about this too there were some people
0: that called we do get we do we get calls we do get calls to angry companies and yeah. yeah
1: I got more angry company calls this year than I got thank you
0: company calls oh, this year. I, I think mm-hmm. that means we're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. so too. <laughs> Maybe. So, I don't know. Here's here's how we're going to do it. We'll go over the rules for each category because they are a little bit different just to make it more confusing. And then we're going to explain why we nominated some of the products. And then we're going to explain why we picked whatever it was that won. We'll also answer some questions in the comment section. I had to go through, look at the comments under all of the PB Awards and pick some out to answer that made sense. So um, we're going to start with James, who is not doing the news. James, you're going to start us off with performance of the year. Take it away, James.
3: Yeah. So performance of the year, this is about a one-off um, moment or run or race or uh, singular achievement. Um it's not about who performed well over the year, who was the best performer of the year. It's about that kind of singular moment that made the hairs on your neck stand up. It made you get out of your seat and start cheering um, and just made you think, God, how do they even manage that? Um, so the nominees uh, for this award were um, Greg Minard, um, his race win in Loser. That was win number 22 for him. Um, he extended the all-time win record. Um, he's two ahead of Gwyn now. Um, and at the age of 38, that's... Um, 39. 39. 39 now. 38 when it happened, I think. Okay. I'm just, just yeah. making sure. Only a few days after it happened. But yeah, he was 38 at the time. Mike Levy, fact checker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Evie Richards is next. She uh, was racing XC for the first time this year. Young British woman. And... Um, and she won the first short track in Noe Mesto and then she crashed on the last lap in the second um, race and fought back from 12th to 1st in the space of about 50 seconds. Um, just an incredible kind of powerhouse performance from her. Um, Emilia Hansen, um, for what has been described as one of the greatest slopestyle runs ever, that was at the start of the year um, in Rotorua. How sort of bright eyed we were back then that we thought everything was gonna be fine. Um and it was business as normal for emil who laid down an incredible run with um 360 windshield ripers, triple oppo whips, like it was um it was pretty special. And at the age of 21, um it's it's really cool to see. Um Tiago Ferreira, who's a Portuguese marathon rider, um so he climbed 17,753 meters in 24 hours. That's more than double the height of Everest. Pretty cool. And then finally uh Reese Wilson um for that um world championship winning run. And in the end it was Reese Wilson we went wait, with. Wait, wait. You guys didn't nominate Nino? What did Nino do <laughs> what this? Did he like? do? <laughs> what was his best performance in your opinion? He's just being Nino. <laughs>
0: I'm sure he won a bunch of
3: stuff, okay? <laughs> he did like cool video with Claudio. That was pretty good. Do you remember that one? No. I think he m- yeah. might have done a
1: video with Levy too came out this year didn't it yeah, or don't... did it come out that of was
0: the year last? before yeah, that, it came was the end. yeah. <laughs> that was video anyways go on with whoever won <laughs> Not Nino, it's a... <laughs> so nobody's interested <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was reese wilson who won that one um world champion uh in the slop of Leah gang um came from you would say you know if before a week before the race if you'd asked who was going to win i doubt many people would have picked reese wilson um but he just Came like a man possessed, and was a clear pick of the field. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see a great deal of what happened in that run. Um, and I've spoken to Red Bull, and apparently it is lost to time. We we we'll never see it. But um, he they did something special. Deleted the footage. I don't think it ever gets saved because it's live broadcast. Um, oh. It doesn't all get stored. Um, Weird. I, is Reese Pitt? I'd be so. I'd want to watch my run if I was him
1: well i want to watch his run (laughs) yeah it's it's a huge it's up there with the in terms of fails as when cam zinc did the did the backflip off the oakley was it the oakley center that year anyway the the mega mega huge backflip he did he forgot to turn his helmet cam on oh shit <laughs> there's no footage of it oh
2: Actually,
0: well, there's footage I, I, but yeah somebody m- maybe
1: can correct me maybe he didn't forget to turn it off maybe or on maybe it got corrupted or i don't know and, it, and the selling feature of the helmet cam brand he had was that it was a really easy one touch turn on at the time
2: oh.
3: they're not around anymore oh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah for me i think you know a lot of people put that down to they said oh well you know he's scottish and he rides in wet conditions a lot but you know, I think a lot of these guys ride in wet conditions and, um, you know, you still have to put that performance down. You have to read the track well and and feel the bike underneath you. And I think he, he won by three or four seconds, like the biggest margin since Danny Hart in 2011. Um, and for me, that just made it the standout performance of the year.
0: I was at that race in 2011 when Danny Hart won. It was ridiculous. Mm. Have you been to a World Cup since? Definitely not. Mm. Man, Danny knew been back. Well. Yeah. Been a while. Well, I was going to so many press camps. I don't let's go to World Cup races. Anyways, I think that that riding in the rain when someone can do that, that's like they're riding that fine, like that fine balance where they could just save it, but they're on that edge where you have to be past being in control. It's pretty impressive. This also this was no this was no lucky race where he
1: came down super early and and. Didn't get affected by things that other people got affected by. He he came down in the rain. He he had an incredible performance. So, does he have a
0: a reputation for being a badass rain rider?
3: I wouldn't say, especially. Um, he does now. Not yeah, not to the extent that like a Danny Hart does, based on that kind of Shamprey thing. But you're right. He, he kind of probably does now. But I think it's also telling that he was like he was up in the splits, kind of in the seeding run, and then at Maribor he qualified first as well before he unfortunately injured himself. So you know to call this a fluke i think it's, it's definitely not
1: not mm-hmm. there no he's definitely shown the that he's got the speed there it's also i remember even in practice i have to go back and look at the practice photos but i think some people were calling for him to have a really good result even early on even before the
2: race there was Yeah, was th- even the photographers and things were saying that it just looked crazy like the, that root gap line that he
3: was in practice Everybody kind of knew
2: he got up to speed pretty quick so yeah th- that wasn't a total surprise but
3: there's like a vital raw clip of him hitting this like stump triple. It's, it's oh, madness. And it's one of those ones where like all the riders are like packed at the side of the trail watching and you can tell like they all, that when all of those guys are impressed by it, like it's a pretty good sign. Um, so some of your suggestions for that one. Um, no place like Loam uh, said Jesse Melamed potentially. Uh, Jesse Melamed obviously two wins this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Zermatt and Finale, uh, which I think... Um, obviously was great to see he got a nomination for athlete of the year um but in terms of like a singular performance that was more of like a a a season-long sort of Mm -hmm. hot streak for me
1: this is going to sound awful to say but in the uh, at the downhill world champs they almost everybody who was fast was there um and and had a fair shake at it whereas i think jesse himself was frustrated that he wasn't racing against a couple of his biggest competitors at those races. So the, the performance was incredible, and obviously you have to make the start line to win. I to call those wins legit wins, and I consider him the current, the current EWS champion, even if it's not official. Um, and he had amazing performances, but it, there is a difference between those races and what happened on the downhill scene. Um,
3: next up, Korev. Um, Brendog got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty good I like
2: that <laughs> um, yeah I also do like the the teasing that's been going back and forth between Reese Wallace and Reese Wilson so yeah. Reese Wallace the free rider yes. so people <laughs> he are congratulating him for winning world champs and there's some good like good natured back and forth going on there
1: <laughs> um, we should send we should send Reese Wallace a fake a fake pink
2: bike award yeah. oh yeah we should <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh 33 uh the goat got robbed uh apparently we disrespected the best um yeah, it's a really good shout. Like, Greg's victory was, like, unbelievable. And, um, yeah, I guess, like, the thing I liked about Greg's is that it was, like, a new track. And all these young guns are supposed to be, like, the fastest in the world, but he kind of, you know, showed them how it's done and, and used all that experience to kind of come out on top, I thought. It would have been an equally worthy winner, I think. Yeah. And then uh, Hubert Ryu um says how can this nomination be about downhill when only one percent of the mp mtv crowd actually rides it
1: all right right, i got this next year the pink bike awards we're going to award performance of the year to the single most average mountain bike ride that happens all year most average person (laughs) most average ride doing the most average trail on the most (laughs) average bike that's what we're going to go with
2: (laughs) should we pick what that's going to be it's going to be like somewhere in ohio on a What's the most average bike out there? This will get me in trouble. Aluminum stump jumper. Two, yeah, like, no, probably. Uh, four say like old, Trek. Four oh, year yeah. old aluminum stump yeah. jumper. Oh, yeah, yeah. old aluminum stump jumper. yep. That person's going to get an award. Yeah. We're gonna They're get like them. 45 years old. They ride once every couple weeks. They have 1.5 kids. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what will give performance
1: of the year, too. Nice work.
3: Uh, next up, we have comeback of the year. Um, So this one, pretty self-explanatory, I guess. Someone who um, maybe would have been seen as um, down and out previously and has come back and um, done really well. Simple as that, basically. Um, This one, I mean, there were nominees. um, Whether it was necessary to nominate more than one person, who knows? But uh, Brooke McDonald, um, obviously after his terrible back break in Monson and last year, came back to finish top 25 in a World Cup. Yolanda Neff, uh, we saw her life threatening crash at the start of the year. Um, she came back to sixth at World Champs. And Tani Seagrave, who was back on the podium after breaking her tibia and fibia in February. Uh, finally, Remy Tyrion, who came back to where he broke his back, I think it was three years ago in Lear Gang, but he came back, um, did really well at World Champs, and kind of put those demons behind him. Um, the winner, of course, uh, it had to be Brooke McDonald. Um, incredible relearning to walk relearning to ride a bike and coming back racing at the highest level and finishing top 25 in a world cup it doesn't get much better than that does it
0: that's damn impressive but you guys didn't nominate nino
3: (laughs) 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 oh my god um and nobody disagreed with it in the comments everyone yeah yeah, yeah. How, how can, can you, you. <laughs> that makes all the sense in the world <laughs> uh-huh. uh so congratulations to brooke for that one and then the last of the athlete nominations is athlete of the year um and this is someone who throughout the entire season um performed you know remarkably um and impressed oh yeah especially this year where racers you know they were kind of battling a lot of uncertainty constantly changing um kind of of world and environment and race calendars. So um, the nominees for that were Maureen Cabru, who injured herself earlier in the year. Um, she got COVID, um, but came back and won the World Cup overall with two wins. Uh, Tom Pidcock, the young British um, cross-country rider. He'd never ridden an international level mountain bike race before, but he clean swept the World Cup and the World Champs at under 23 level and then went on to win the e-bike XC World Champs as well. Uh, Leona, Luana wait, Lecomte. Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Yeah, wait, wait that wait, put wait, him wait. over the edge. There. <laughs> Just, Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> what did he win? He won the e-bike thing and then he won the cross-country thing?
3: So he won both under 23 World Cups. The under twenty three world champs and the like elite uh, X E EMTB race. Overall, they're world champs.
1: World champs. I I just think it's really actually disrespectful to people who have won the rainbow stripes to have e bike racing rainbow stripes. Not because I'm a anti e bike or even anti e bike racing, but it's such a unsorted out discipline. That The competition, like, it's just not... If I... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe uh, people who've won Rainbow Stripes don't care. But I know at least one person who... One world champ who is pretty pissed about the existence of e-bike world champs. Today. Like, it's just not there yet. <laughs> Are you pissed about it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't know. It just... It seem Like, world champs should f- be for... Mature sports, sports that have a high level of competition, not for things where we're still like in the dark, groping around, like what the hell, what is this thing gonna be? You know, it's. Yeah.
0: I think they might argue that it that it is mature over there. It it isn't.
1: The n- a number of phone calls I have with e bike organizers trying to understand what e bike racing yeah. is gonna be is no. It's it is not a mature discipline and. yeah
3: no there's no no, like not 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 there there's no like world cup series either right it's world champs on on nothing when it comes to the uci there's an xc oh that's weird Mm. Mm -hmm. i don't like that yeah well they're trying
1: right they're trying to do some things but it's all like we just don't know what e-bike racing is yet we're and i think that we're like i'm not sure e-bike racing it seems like such a cop-out this is a whole other podcast but e-bikes got huge and popular because they're there for the 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 like non-endemic part of the sport um we don't need to race everything you know they got big without any support from the core industry they they got big on their own for something else for its own thing we don't need to now go like oh okay we're selling a shitload of e-bikes you know what would sell more e-bikes racing them like
0: yeah we should have yeah this marketing. would be a good podcast. we should
1: be have good,
2: our, our e-bike yeah. podcast coming up because i think yeah. there's ways you can make it interesting but i don't think i agree that cross-country e-bike racing yeah. is not yeah. the way to and, go
1: and that's fair i think there are some things you could do i don't i'm not knee-jerk anti-e-bike racing although i just think i think there are more challenges than than allow for awarding rainbow stripes so agreed sorry for diminishing your incredible achievement buddy <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, he still won all those other things without, yeah. Him, yeah, so like it's pretty.
1: I want, I wonder which one he's most proud of.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the um, category you guys
3: didn't nominate Nino for.
1: E-bike, <laughs> e-bike specialist of win. the
0: year.
3: <laughs> Another cross-country race up next. Luana Lacomte. Uh, she didn't do the e-bike world champs, um, but she is only 21. But she's racing in seniors, and she won a world cup this year. Very impressive uh jesse here's his nomination uh two ews wins and you know a sort of provisional let's call it ews series overall even though it wasn't presented is is jesse melmed now big enough that we he's a first namer
1: what did like if you say brandon or aaron he is to me yeah
3: there's no other jesse's are there, are there? Oh,
1: that's true yeah. good jesse you've
3: made yeah. it <laughs> Um, And then finally, Matt Walker, um, who won the World Cup overall, um, didn't win any races, but was just um, kind of bullishly consistent in a year that was anything but consistent. Last podcast, they asked me
0: who won the World
3: Cup downhill overall,
0: and I couldn't quite pull it out. (laughs) I wasn't quite paying enough attention because Matt Walker didn't win uh, an event. He was just like incredibly consistent, which is like obviously he's... He earned it, but that's why I also my excuse for not recognizing that he was the overall champion because I didn't see that he, you know. Anyways, keep you going. You name all
3: the World Cup winners. To be fair, you got all the individual winners. Yeah, yeah, I did get them yeah. all. Yeah. Um. So the winner, the winner for that one, that was Marine Cabarou. Um. It was kind of always a, a question of when, not if she would she would claim that World Cup overall. Uh, and this was the year that she did it, despite kind of her early season setbacks, um. And you know, I think in previous years there's been kind of question marks over the strengths of the field when she's got her wins. You know, I think last year Miriam was out, Tani was out, Rachel was out. But this year, you know, Miriam and Tani back and you've got people like Nina Hoffman and Camille Balanche who are, you know, just going really fast at the moment. Um, so a well-earned uh, World Cup overall and um, I don't think it'll be the last one we see from her. So some of your suggestions there. Um Moles dig my jumps. Uh, he said, or they said, uh, Morgan Shaw, honorable second for being awesome, but also putting flat pedals back on the map in the absence of Mr. Hill. Uh, so, Morgan Shaw, a first year for Pivot Factory Racing. I think her first year racing in draw on a factory team, she got a win this year. I think she, she also would have won the, the kind of the provisional overall for the EWS. Um, that's a good shout um eric 27 um this is one this was probably a pretty bad miss in the nominations um pauline from provost um she had another dose of iliac fibrosis this year she came back won the world champs and won a world cup um yeah i think we missed pauline there didn't we
1: as athlete of the year or for comeback of the year
3: uh well this is for athlete but i mean Mm -hmm. both work yeah she's yeah she's an incredible rider at least missed in the nominees yeah. and then simba and higgins um said to me the athlete of the year is brooke mcdonald after suffering that horrible crash and evac his determination and incredible hard work to get back has been nothing short of amazing his comeback is a bigger achievement than any win in my book um yeah i think that's fair too yeah. which is why we have a award, award yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but to be fair like we don't release these all on the same day so some people don't know who's going to win what in addition
0: Okay, so that wraps up all of the athlete performances. We're going to move on to all of the tech stuff. This includes all the value components, mountain bike suspension component of the year. There's a whole bunch of different stuff and each one has different rules, but the gist is that the components have to be new. So that's why last year, something might've offered better value, uh, but it's not a new product. So, well, it's not nominated. And our first category that we're going to talk about is value component of the year. Um, now for this one, the nominees have to be selected from bicycles, components, clothing, accessories. Basically, they has to be available to buy before December 15th. And them items should also carry an advertised price that is significantly lower than competing products while offering similar benefits. And suggested retail price It's got to be under $1,300 as well. Uh, And the big thing here, of course, it has to provide extraordinary benefit at a price that's determined to be a really good value. Okay, let's get to our first nominee. And this is from the drivetrain company, MicroShift. This is one of the little guys, not SRAM or Shimano. So last year, they debuted their 9-speed Advent drivetrain. This year, they debuted their 10-speed version. Advent X, guess what the X stands for, as Brian just reminded me. For $167, you get their 10-speed chain, crankset, and cassette, and the derailleur and their shifter. Now, Dan rode this stuff. He said it was vastly improved, it's got a wider gearing range, and it proved to be pretty damn reliable. Um, He really liked this stuff, and that's why it's nominated. The next one, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that we've got the Dior drivetrain on our list. The drivetrain comes at under $300, just under $300 American for the derailleur shifter cassette chain crank set, and it works really damn well, and the reason that it does it is that HyperGuide Plus stuff that we're going to talk about later on, and that's a 12-speed group as well, just to remind you guys. The next one, Marzocchi's coil upgrade kit for their Z1. So we really like this thing. Costs $175 and it turns your air sprung Z1 into a coil sprung fork to deliver a definitely a different feel. So, when we got this thing into a fork, we found that it really helped with traction and comfort. And it's obviously a pretty damn good price, which it needs to be to be on this list. And along the same lines, we also have RockShox's Debonair upgrade kit here. So, when we reviewed this thing, we said the new air spring. The fork no longer sinks into its travel when there isn't any weight on it. There's that little bit of ghost travel at the top. That has been fixed with this new debonair upgrade kit. It also offers extra support, which is beneficial on steeper terrain. How much did this thing cost? Only 42 bucks. Kaz, are they right? 42 bucks. Yeah, it's
2: a little upgrade, but yeah, it's pretty reasonable. So that's how it ended up on the value product of the year list. So if you had a previous model year fork, want to improve its performance,
0: 42 bucks. That does make sense. So a couple other honorable mentions here. TransX's Skyline Dropper Post, that thing's only $100. We had that on a couple test bikes, and it performed very impressively. And that's the only honorable mention.
1: I wanted to ask you guys before we talk about the winner there were a lot of people really frustrated with the with mentioning the the upgrades as as value products yeah why I do you think people, that
2: is i think people feel like if a, if something comes out that makes it seem as if the product they have isn't as good as it could be that they feel like the, the manufacturer owes them as if it was like a basically it's saying that we made it better and they they bought it so they feel like it's like a Almost like a recall issue when it's not. It's just a performance improvement. But I can see people being, you know, they spent their eight hundred dollars in their fork, and then a month later, something comes out that says upgrade. Like, oh, it should be covered, but it's not how it works.
0: That was the specific complaint with that debonair kit. That yeah, yeah, that sort of fixed that so-called ghost. You know, the few millimeters of travel of yeah. the fork would, which isn't <laughs> an issue whatsoever. Yeah, it'd be a bigger
2: deal if it was an issue that really like drastically affected the performance, mm-hmm. and if your your know, fork was leaking oil or doing something majorly wrong but you know it's it was more of a we can make this better look we did this it's backwards compatible 42 bucks like it seems reasonable
1: i would so much prefer that bike brands or component brands made small meaningful changes to their products every you know on a regular basis, rather than rather than mm, no, I, I
2: prefer. Know you would
1: get bored. You just want to do products come up with that they test on us. <laughs> new standards, yeah, <laughs> just Maybe makes it more interesting. Of course, of course, more linkage. Of course, <laughs> I just want. I just want small incremental change, and this is a great, inexpensive way to do. It. I think it's. I think brands shouldn't get shit on for making meaningful but not
0: drastic changes when they see a nice way to do it. Yeah. The other thing I'll say too, is that when it comes to new upgraded air springs with the fork, I think it's easy to get caught up with like, you know, you had the latest damper, the best silly fork stanchion coating or whatever. Um, but that air spring can make a huge difference. Look how air springs have changed over the previous years. And how much better they have made the forks. Um, and I, I also, I can't say too much, but I also rode, I rode a new, th- a new thing with the new air spring and it made a bigger difference to the fork than the damper did that we always rave about. It was, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Mm. Yeah. So I think that those are, I mean, 42 bucks, huge. It's yeah, pretty good. Makes makes complete sense. We should put um, a little side note in
2: here. Anyone that's playing along for Levy Bingo, he said stanction so far and Marzachi. So just check those off <laughs> on your on your box and, and we'll keep going. People aren't
3: doing that, are they? <laughs>
0: he also he also slipped in a pinker in the last podcast. Yeah. So. so you got three. So you yeah, might yeah. have to be
2: getting close yeah. to bingo.
0: It's so. a thing now. It it's become a thing that you now that you used it, Brian. And we're gonna do an ad read. You'll have to do an ad read at yeah, some point. I was point, expecting but. you to come to this podcast for it. Uh, no, 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 no. No. It's gonna be a bigger deal. I forgot. <laughs> Otherwise I would have. <laughs> Damn it. Anyways, uh, guess who won everybody? Freaking Dior, of course, cause it's awesome. Um, so when XTR debuted, it came out with their Hyperglide Plus, which is basically their fancy name for the shape of the cassette teeth, the shape of the outer chain plates and how they kind of interact with each other. And What they've done is that design, whatever, however they did it, it lets you shift like an absolute jackass, like a meathead, like just keep pedaling and just hit the button and shift like a, like a sequential transmission. It's crazy. Um, I mean, you should still lift, lift a little bit, but now they've put that onto their Dior drivetrain that you can get for $298. And even if it didn't have that, I mean, it's all top quality stuff and it does have that and the thing shifts amazing. Kaz, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, mean, I think you know that it's just it's a one of those products that
2: for the price and for what you get, it feels like a much more expensive product, and it's going to be great to see coming on new bikes in the next year, just because you can buy a bike that costs a little less and not sacrifice drivetrain performance, which, you know, arguably after your suspension and brakes, that's the thing that you're, it's really important, just having a good time on the trail, so I they think deserved some, it.
1: I think some folks were, wanted to know why it won over Advent X. Um, because it does seem like it's twice as expensive if you look at the numbers that are published, but people forget that the Advent X doesn't come with a crank. So, the apples to apples, it'd be like Advent X is 170 ish, right?
0: Mm-hmm. 160, yep. 170-ish. 167 ish. 167. Well,
1: yeah. So, and then the Dior is about 300 bucks if you once you take the 100 bucks or 95 bucks
0: for the crank off. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually that answers Ham Cheese's question. Yeah. He wanted to know. Why that one over Advent X? So it,
1: it's certainly I haven't ridden the Advent X, but uh, Dan has ridden both AdventX and Dior, and it's it's a
0: easily a thirty dollar upgrade in performance. You can mm-hmm. imagine. He also ham cheese also says both are impossible to find in stock, so yeah. which is fair. Yep, yeah, we didn't base these
2: awards on things you can actually buy right now because it's hard.
0: Uh, Bogo Milinev he says. Dior Railer works with SRAM shifters and vice versa. Good enough reason to win the award as it makes changing a brokered SRAM part a much more manageable thing. Uh, uh I
2: mean, he's right that these parts work together and you can mix and match. There are some things, I don't know if that's why you would win the award, though. Like, no. Because <laughs> it, obviously it's just it just happens that the spacing on 12-speed cassettes has made it so that all these products play better together than they ever have, which... It's good for the consumer. Obviously, the companies would prefer that you keep things together. And we should mention with Shimano, you want to have that. It's that cassette and chain um, that are the key parts. You want to keep a Shimano chain with the Shimano cassette to get that hyperglide plus shifting. So um, whatever mixing and
0: matching you're doing, that's the stuff that is important to keep the same. Right, right. But they do. I think the shifters pull just a tiny bit different amount of cable, but it's not different enough that it like makes a huge night and day difference in performance. So, yeah. Anyways, there you go. That is why Dior won. And that's one of the few categories that was like not super controversial. I mean, that one was a a, a winner that made a lot of sense. All right. Well, yeah, now let's dive into the value mountain bike of the year
2: awards. Uh, we obviously do the mountain bike of the year, which is the kind of big, no holds barred, no price limit or anything. But value bike is the ones that, as the name implies, a little more affordable, just kind of offer the most bang for your buck. Um, so this year on the list of nominees, we ended up with the Vitas Mythique, the Fazari Delano Peak Comp, the YT Izzo, and the Comensal Meta TR. So all those bikes kind of stood out to us. We did that Value Bikes field test earlier in the year. That's where we first spent time on that Mythique. It's a 140-mil travel trail bike.
0: We should also mention, too, that all of the bikes are... They have to be new, technically new, or at least visibly new in some way, upgraded in some way, um, in a significant manner over over previous bikes as well. Oh. Kaz and people got to buy them.
1: Yeah not not just a uh, not just a slightly longer fork and a different paint job and like hey it's a new bike guys. Yeah, better.
2: <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. And I realized. I had, also, we had a couple others on this list as well. We had that privateer one six one and the Trek Pro Caliber. So pretty wide range of bikes they do kind of end up centered in that trail bike category just because that's that's kind of the bikes that most people are riding most of the time these days so um
0: those are the and kaz do we have to have ridden these bikes just to just to clarify for everybody are these yeah. does it it's only bikes that we reviewed
2: yeah only bikes that we reviewed are, are at least done an extensive uh, first ride and they all have to be available you know in this this year um, or before the end of the year, December 15th basically. So,
0: right. Yeah, yeah so cuz there's a lot of bikes out there. People were asking about them and like why so and so wasn't included. It simply it's we didn't ride it. Yeah, exactly. Or, if ta-
2: yeah. yeah, if we haven't spent time on a bike, we're not going to issue a an assessment of it cuz that just wouldn't be wouldn't be fair basically.
1: You can do value bike of the year is more than just a spreadsheet of who can hang the most expensive parts off of the cheapest frame. And
2: end up with the lowest price. Yeah, I'm sure I could go to Alibaba and find some crazy bike for a crazy cheap price, but uh, how it rides, would be a different yeah, story. Yeah, like, well, it Sounds like
1: a
0: video I'm going to have to do this year. I think so. Uh, yeah, we're going to have some weird but, things that works. You
1: know, in, in the value bike world, there are a lot of parts hangers, like bicycle-shaped objects that they try and hit their magical, like, okay, get to X dollars with XT and Kashima on it, and it's a shit bike with shit angles where they've repurposed a, a design from something or other on a tube set that doesn't make sense. And it's a bit of a noodle. Like there are bikes out there that appear to be great value when you're doing spreadsheet shopping, but are not, and we're not going to, so we just don't put our, we don't hand out this award without having ridden it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so that's how we end up with these. I mean, dear, like I said, there's, there are some carbon bikes in here that Trek pro calibers carbon, the, uh Fezari is carbon and then the rest are aluminum so you get kind of a mix depending on what you're looking for <laughs> this top comment is amazing Todd 321 reminded us says wow Specialized makes the lightest production bike ever production carbon bike ever for only a thousand dollars and it can't even get nominated <laughs> so that's in regards to Specialized they made little kids hot walk that caused a lot of controversy so yes obviously not a value bike that's for the rich children out there but pretty funny because it is the it is the lightest production bike um uh, let's see KC says no high pivot bikes i thought that was an upcoming reborn trend we haven't really seen any high pivot value bikes yet maybe in a couple years from now if that becomes a a real trend it'll trickle down but you know that adds a little extra cost to the price of a bike so probably why we don't see it let's see we got high roller 80 says all those low-end components will need to be replaced after one season of hard riding be fine for most beginners but if you ride hard don't think this bike will hold up remember the saying you get what you pay for uh, I'd say high roller is not correct in this case, you know, the winner of this category We didn't mention yet, but the winner was that Vetus mythique um, that's a $2,000 bike that we thrashed at the uh, value bike field test in Sedona and Lee and I were both really impressed with it. That thing was awesome Casimir. That was an yeah. awesome bike Yeah, yeah two grand and there's it's got marzocchi z2 fork up front, you know the Sx drivetrain we've kind of
0: complained about that in the past, but the rest of the parts on it are all great for the price like yeah i think for me the the standout with that bike is the horse link suspension on the back and that z2 fork up front and it's sort of like middle of the road geometry that just like worked well everywhere yeah it just seemed it really like cool. a it seemed like just a confident like capable bike you know all the so cliches <laughs> the only thing that would need
1: May potentially premature replacing the drivetrain stuff. But again, like that's such a, it's a wear item. And you'll probably learn so much more about what you want and what matters to you in that time. I'm yeah, glad that I'm glad to see brands going, spending less on drivetrain and more on a good fork, for example.
0: Like this I is, think that's a good place to save money. Yeah, this is exactly what we've been talking about for the past few months aluminum frame, good suspension like proper geometry and then the rest of the stuff well i don't want it to be you know trash it can't just rattle off but at the same time i'll use it until it either breaks or wears out and then that's when you put your nicer stuff on it it's not yeah makes sense
2: yeah exactly and you know the saying you get what you pay for like this guy is saying that that's true it's not true because there's plenty of twelve thousand dollar bikes out there that it doesn't improve your performance over that six thousand dollar bike you know so this case this is a two thousand dollar bike that yeah, it works great. There's no reason that someone getting into the sport or somebody on a budget
0: couldn't have a good time for multiple seasons on it. Kaz, I've got a question for you. It's actually from Tiger Goosebumps. And he says, if PB editors were required to ride this bike, would they quit? No. We uh, would rode, you we quit were riding or would you quit pink bike? I don't think I quit either. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't quit either. We were required to ride it and we had a good time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I rode that bike more than I had to when we were in Sedona for three weeks or whatever it was. Yeah, we wrote it on everything. No, we would definitely not quit, and we had Did a good time. Did we argue about riding it? I think we might have been like, "No, I'm going to take it," and then you were like, "No," and then I think I just took it, and you ended up riding that. I think, I think you guys
1: would quit well. if I you guys would quit if I only made you ride 500 dollars hardtails. Yes.
2: Yeah,
0: 100. percent Yeah, I mean, maybe but, not quit, but I would rethink some things. <laughs> what about <laughs> Kaz? Are what about fat bikes? Is that your line?
2: Uh, I'm not. Were, yeah, Kaz's we had some comments is. somewhere. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where my line is. I know how to do whatever, but like. This. no really? fat bikes, I don't want to review fat bikes I'll put that out there it's, it's not high on my list there's so many other cool things to review we can talk all about right it now. in your next contract Kaz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know there was someone that was pushing hard he wanted us to have like control spike tires and all this crazy stuff I was like ah, it's, if it's that deep snow I'm going skiing that's my thing but anyways back to the value bike Vitus Mythique thing's awesome I'm sure there's an updated version this year with different components but um, the overall package there you're getting a good good deal for the money
0: I think that one's a no-brainer for sure. Yep. All right, let's move on to Innovation of the Year. Uh, this one was probably less of a no-brainer, judging by the comments. So this one, we didn't actually award a winner. Why didn't we award a winner for Innovation of the Year, Brian? Because there wasn't much, like I said in the predictions article. I'm sorry for
1: like shitting on everybody's hard work. There's obviously, there has been innovation. There are some amazing new stuff came out this year, but the Innovation Award is for us is an award where somebody has broken through a barrier or put something you know axis is a is a crazy innovation that changes the the game in terms of the course of how things are being developed in mountain biking um trust suspension was a was a amazing amazing innovation even if it ultimately failed you know I'll, i'll go back to remind a certain somebody on this podcast what they were pushing for for suspension of the year last year I feel like this
0: is directed at me, but I don't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, is. it is. His crystal ball didn't work so well. Yeah. Your Chris, <laughs> yeah. Was it the trust fork? Yeah. 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 You yeah but it, it that one wouldn't have won because it, it isn't, it, it didn't perform in a wide enough window for enough riders. but See, I wanted it I to be nominated. So no, we agreed in win. the end. So no, you agreed we, with me in the end. It sounded like moving on. No. <laughs> you wanted it to win because it was so innovative. I don't think I yeah. wanted it to win. You did. Yeah. Did I? Yeah, you really liked it for some reason. Yeah. I I still really like. I still have one, and I'm holding on to it. Good. It is you really cool. It. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really innovative. There is something there clearly. If, but if I lived I, in Camloops, it would be better, but I, it's too rough here. Yeah, it's it Doesn't do the number one thing that it's supposed to do. <laughs> Let's go back to this freaking innovation <laughs> award here. <laughs> so,
1: but that, it's a good. That's what illustrates the difference between product or like suspension product of the year and innovation of the year. It's that thing totally deserves an innovation of the year award it doesn't deserve suspension product of the year so that's the example that's what we're looking at with innovation so that's why we looked at this year's crop and went wow there's some amazing new products but nothing that breaks the mold really that truly makes a huge difference so we didn't uh, uh, we didn't give an award we did want to recognize some people that have done some cool things
0: I swear you told me that storage holes in aluminum dab tubes are groundbreaking and will change the sport forever. <laughs> Didn't you say that? Because we nominated it in, in a Trek's storage compartment in aluminum frames. Wait, this is Can just you a please whole bunch of... justify this?
1: <laughs> this is just a whole bunch of noteworthy innovations this year without nominating a winner. Um, do you want me to defend why I think it's cool that that Trek put a hole in a downtube?
0: No. Why is it on innovation of the year? I want to know, and I think a lot of commenters oh, want to know too. It just seems oh, like this is an a easy one. This is an easy one. It makes a huge difference to regular riders, it,
1: in the same way that SWAT made a huge deal to regular riders. The SWAT hole in a in the downtube yeah. actually really changes people's riding and their riding habits and what they carry and how they carry it. And just thinking about that, that's awesome. It's been out of reach for aluminum bikes until now. I think that's a big deal. I think that will make a bigger difference for a lot of people than a lot of things.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you. Weird. And <laughs> now you're <laughs> making question
1: myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I knew you, I agree with you, but there were some, definitely some commenters in there and that, uh, did we give Specialized? So I a commenter asked if we gave Specialized an innovation award when they debuted their SWAT compartment. That was a comment from south of the border. Do you remember?
2: I can't remember. Sometimes we changed the categories oh once time. in a while. So we might not have had an innovation award at the time. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll
1: say if it happened today, you, uh, we would absolutely give it an award. Yeah, it, that makes we can retroactively key. give them one. Yeah. Well, That's we give them one. Lifetime Achievement Award or something <laughs> on, on SWAT. Um, and then nominating Trek for copying them, I think that is that is a low blow that doesn't make sense. If Specialized had figured out a way to put a hole in the down tube of their aluminum bikes, the same as their carbon, they would have done it. So th- the fact that Trek was able to do it when Specialized wasn't, Specialized had a head start on this, that's
0: that's pretty groundbreaking, right? Yeah. I feel like we defended ourselves just fine there. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next the next one that is nominated, it's lightweight e-bikes. And I know e-bikes are a touchy subject in the comments under these award articles, it seems. Um, but the whole idea here is to take something that is like 48, 49 pounds and bring it down to something that's like 38 or even 35 and a half pounds, like specialized turbo levo sl or Obeya's rise and that is to make these things feel well more like a mountain bike but still have some assist you don't have quite as much either power or battery life is that true Kaz? what What are people sacrificing here yeah both of that like with the,
2: the levo sl at least i think it kind of multiplies your efforts by two where like the normal levo is by four i believe so yeah yeah, are still getting an assist, but it's not the same level. Um, and then, and sometimes some battery life, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's kind of that's basically it.
0: Yeah, batteries are heavy. Yeah, yeah. batteries are so heavy. If mm-hmm. if you guys haven't ever taken an e-bike battery off an e-bike, just just take it off and just put it like in your backpack or something. Imagine carrying it around. It weighs so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, we've also got Revel's recycled U.S. made fusion fiber wheels. Uh, these wheels are made to be recyclable, just like the name suggests. <laughs> so after, after the wheels say, let's say you have a bad crash, you case something and you break your rim, instead of just chucking this carbon into the ocean where it's going to poke a fish in the eye and kill a bunch of minnows and jellyfish and whatnot, you could send it back and they will make something else out of it. So that's the whole idea there. Uh, Dan Sapp rode these things for a while and he really, really liked them. Uh, They're not like remarkably light or remarkably inexpensive or anything like that, but he said that they felt really nice and more importantly, they've been extremely reliable. That's cool because rims are a wear item.
1: You know, yep. they're a thing that you expect at some, you know, you don't buy a rim and then go, okay, that's it. I'm done. Um, so on things that are wear items, it's nice that there'll be, or will hopefully be some options for recycling. Yeah. Are they making, uh, and then, they're not making more rims out of them, are they?
0: Maybe no, they can they really make, make smaller tireless. rims. Yeah. No, no, no. Maybe yeah, they're making, rims? no, no, no. Like you, you break your 29 inch rim, you send <laughs> it in and you get a 26 inch rim back.
2: Yeah. They cut out a chunk and they just reheat it up. Yeah. Connect it together. (laughs) Cool.
0: (laughs) So it works. Yeah. So our next nominee, I think Brian, you'll really like this one. This is alternative manufacturing methods. Can you explain this one? Oh, I'm just, I just go on and on about how I'm so
1: excited about a future where we can, where we can download
0: a bike. (laughs) I feel like you do. <laughs> uh, yeah. You wouldn't download a car, would you? you would I down- certainly would. Yeah, fuck yeah, I would download a car.
1: Yeah, so simple as that. I'm. Uh, the pandemic has made shipping and and disrupted disrupted lots of availability stuff. So it's been cool to see some brands explore some different stuff. Um, I mean, Pole is the is the obvious example. I do think that long term, I think. That they would like to be able to uh, have, you know, just license the IP to local machine shops so they can work just in time, just have stock of raw materials. And the advantage down the road, which I'm probably going to say a thousand more times on podcasts, is that how cool would it be to go, I want this bike and I want to pay 300 bucks for the custom geometry version because I I want a slightly slacker head tube angle or whatever it is. And I wanted to have my initials on it and go and out it comes. And a couple weeks later, you have your bike. They didn't have to ship it from raw materials to one factory, to another factory, to a third factory, to a distributor, to a retailer, to your house. You know, none of that. It just sat as raw materials. They made the thing and then out it went. There's no, there was no closeouts. There's no. Anything. It's just And there's no bikes that are out of date, just on a, on a uh, shop floor or anything. So I think there's a whole bunch of things that are happening in this space that we saw this year that the
0: article kind of discusses. Obviously, nobody's there yet, but we're getting there. It's neat. Yeah, so some names that come to mind include Atherton, Gamix, and Morhun. They're doing 3D printed parts. Uh, well, Pol, Acto5, and uh, Alutech, they're manufacturing CNC'd frames that are gorgeous, especially that Acto 5 thing, Casimir. Have you seen it? I know. I remember seeing it. Gushed all about it
2: and all the videos. Yeah, but now oh. they're doing the full oh, thing. Oh, yeah, this deal right now. That was still, yeah, the CNC one
0: looks great too. It looks yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah. And our last nominee it's data acquisition. And we've seen this stuff be used in motorsports for many, many years. And then more recently, uh, on downhill bikes. And basically, it's racers trying to get the most out of their suspension so they could go as fast as possible. And previously, this stuff was crazy expensive. Oh, Some would argue that it's still crazy expensive, but it was even more crazy expensive and wires everywhere, and you needed technicians and all this stuff. But now there are a couple companies offering kits that are manageable by anybody if you have the money to buy them, uh, B Y B telemetry is one. And then I've been using a kit for motion instruments that I will do a review on soon. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it has been pretty interesting to see. And just the fact that anybody can go out and get the stuff, uh, if you've got the money to do it and get the most out of their bike, it's for the dorks out there. It's pretty cool. Kaz, have you used this stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, I've used. I haven't used the BYB, but I've used Motion Instruments. um I met Rob, I think the, the head of that company. He was up here once with Ibis, and so we did some runs and um did some stuff. That's yeah, pretty cool. Definitely, yeah, for the super super geeking out. But it's interesting just to have actual data to quantify what you're feeling on the trail. How you how like how useful is that going to be to regular riders? that aren't turbo dorks like i, I don't it, think as useful <laughs> yeah if you're not a turbo dork maybe not as useful but i think like mm. there's something like even like shockwiz we didn't really mention mm-hmm. Shockwiz on this because it came out it's old. a couple years ago but um i think there are ways to simplify the data
0: acquisition process to give mm-hmm. meaningful results for people um i think we'll also see high-end shops buying a kit mm-hmm. and i know that they need different mounts depending on the bikes and things like this. But I mean, especially a shop where we live in our neck of the woods, close to Whistler or Kaz, where you live in Bellingham, a high-end shop that would have a kit where they would rent out, you know, they might, you know, you rent it out for two days for X amount of dollars and try to get the most out of your bike.
2: Yeah. It's just another tool for people to kind of get hopefully the maximum performance out of the stuff they spent lots of money on.
0: Yeah. Hey, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. So we didn't actually pick a winner officially, um, but of our nominees, is there one that kind of just stands out to you the most, Brian? I think the most mature of them
1: all, the one that will have the most impact will probably be will probably be lightweight e-bikes. Uh I'm really curious about the about the category because I don't get it. To me if, to me if you have an e-bike like if I'm going to spend mon- that crazy amount of money on an e-bike, I'd like to have all the juice but that's just you know i want to i also don't really understand like 120 mil e-bikes either so it's a category i don't understand but i know that there's a market for it i know a lot of people are interested i think the idea of a e-bike that f- is in that 35 pound range is that's pretty appealing um
3: i just don't yeah i'm mm-hmm. i'm curious about it james yeah i think the same actually um i think it's I don't know I guess it's an e-bike you could go on a ride with your friends on non-e-bikes on in a way like if you're on like a big juiced up thing like you're over the hills and far away you know but maybe there's a bit something a bit more kind of social to it and you're right I think like those kind of big heavy e-bikes get kind of sucked into the ground a bit if you want something a bit more sprightly and a bit more like playful like I think that's that's where you'd go.
1: It's pretty funny how in general e-bikes are a little bit uh like i don't mean this the way the commenters do but they're a bit like a virus like one person in a group gets one and then all of a sudden the rest of the group slowly has to get one because otherwise they can't
3: the the riding is not aligned anymore yeah i think you're right though that like it splits the category in two right people either go for that almost Mm -hmm. like shuttle yourself free ride bike or maybe this thing which is a bit more of like a normal bike but a bit easier on your legs
0: I have the best e-bike idea. An e-bike. That's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. An e-bike <clears throat> that has a mode that all it does is compensate for the extra weight that exists sleeping. that exists on the bike itself. So that what you exists. would do is you would you would push on the button and then it would just all of a sudden you would basically have a regular mountain bike. So guys, I have an a, idea.
1: What what if we had <laughs> A eco mode what if we had a series of sprockets on the back of our bicycles and yeah. we had a <laughs> go on a thing attached by a cable that you pushed mm. and it moved the i'm not thi- picturing the thing it. Called a chain from one of those sprockets to another to create different gear ratios to
0: make it <laughs> it doesn't work like that <laughs> it brian. does it, it no does. it doesn't it does brian if if we if you and i went for a ride No, that doesn't work. Casimir. if you and I went for a ride Uh and I was on an e-bike and you were not, that would not be a fun ride for you. No, also
2: because you wouldn't shift, you wouldn't keep it in eco mode the whole time.
0: But eco mode is still way more power
2: than just... You can use the app now and change the thing. You
1: can change to say just how much power you want. Yeah.
2: But what would be the point? Like, why would I go slow with somebody? So we could ride... Well, because
1: you're riding with Levy anyway.
0: Yeah,
2: that's true. <laughs> we'll figure Anyways, it out. But, I like and, my idea.
0: I'm going to nominate it for it innovation exist. of the year. <laughs> yeah, and inventing something that already exists goes to Levy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple comments that we had under this one. Vegimoto says, e-bikes aren't a bicycle innovation. They're a new motorcycle category that doesn't want to be restricted to motor trails. Killing the planet one small battery at a time. <laughs> I I know,
1: <laughs> how, I'm not sure how an e-bike is worse for the planet, if it's a motorcycle, Yeah, then it's, not buying a motor, new motorcycle and buying a new e-bike instead. I don't understand how
0: that is worse for the planet. His username is VeggieMoto. I hate, absolutes. Maybe like, yeah. Yeah. I hate I, the absolutes. I hate the the like, it's just like, it's this, or like it isn't, or like, I don't know. Yeah. Like there's obviously a lot of issues around e-bike. We
2: are going to have to have an e-bike podcast in the next couple of weeks, I think, just so we can talk about them. And but there
1: is an environmental impact both yeah. to e-bikes and to any new thing you buy. And right. Like but you know, the you're you're your buying a used Hummer is probably better than buying a new Tesla for the environment.
2: You know. Made,
1: yeah. 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 I guess yeah. The
2: batteries are One, not so good. Just to
1: manufacturing use. things takes a huge amount of energy. Period. Yeah. So, run what you brung is is generally the best move if you're if you're trying to save the world um but
2: yeah yeah uh, well anyways they are bicycles they're, they're not motorcycles but they're not whatever. we can talk about this another time but <laughs> I, I don't agree with veggie moto on this one no. I, I don't think that the planet's gonna be saved by you not buying a, a new e-bike but i but even I'd if that's the case the,
1: you can also not buy any e-bike if you want
2: Yeah, exactly buy a used bike if you want to save the planet or just don't or do just anything don't. just run running but not with new shoes you have to use Shoes you make yourself. No shoes. No shoes. Yeah.
0: Just toughen up. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) All right. Moving on to suspension product of the year. Uh, 2020 definitely was an interesting one. There was a whole bunch of stuff. um, And our nominee list includes EXT's Era Fork. Casimir, you rode this one and you were pretty damn impressed by it, weren't you?
2: Yeah, that was, I think that's my favorite fork I rode this year. I would put it up there. Yeah, I mean, it, the tricky thing with all these, and as we be going deeper, like if you had any of these on your bike, they're not going to hold you back. You know, if you somehow ended up with a new 38 and you didn't get the new EXT, you're not gonna be like, oh, I could be faster. It's not that, but <laughs> it is cool to see EXT step into the uh, fork arena, you know, compete with the other. Are the ones with something that's that impressive uh, out of the box.
0: It's quite a bit more expensive. It's almost twice as much money. But you rode the thing, and it's, you, you think it's literally better than a 36 or a Lyric.
2: Uh, yeah, I do think so. Yeah, I think the feel that I could achieve with that, um, the supplements, I do think it's, it, it felt better to me than those. But again, mm-hmm. like the new 36 is so good that it is, if you're going on price, it's hard to justify the extra price. But for someone that wants a little extra, a little extra adjustability, um, something a little different. That EXT is very impressive. I still have to go back
1: to, back to the thirty-eight from the EXT. You, thank you for sending it up. It is very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what I think about it after I switch back to the thirty-eight
0: because I really like really like my thirty-eight, and now I really like the EXT. And I'm like, speaking of the thirty-eight, that's our next nominee, and it's more than just larger stanchion tubes. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Uh, they've also done some tricky stuff with the steerer tube it isn't just round it's butted front to back and that is to increase the fork rigidity because you can get this thing up to 180 millimeters of travel with 29 inch wheels Uh, so there's definitely has to be more material there they've also redesigned the crown and it uses the grip 2 damper of course and their Evol air spring Uh, Casimir, you also rode this fork you've been riding a lot of new forks lately and what did you think? You obviously liked yeah. it.
2: Yeah, I liked it. You know, the, the grip to damper didn't change a ton, but it still feels great. I, I was happy with the adjustability. Some people have commented that they found the range to be a little too small for them. But for myself, I can get this thing set up right in my sweet spot pretty easily. Um, I like the fact that an integrated fender now exists for this. And those little valves on the back of the fork are pretty satisfying to push and hear a little of air come out. A little fart yeah somebody had that yeah that acronym they made up that was good for it
1: fox air release technology yeah
2: exactly good. yeah that was a good one but but uh yeah it's a good good addition to fox's lineup i don't think everybody needs a 38 um, but also on the same token i'm not that heavy of a rider but i didn't find any issues with it being too stiff or harsh or anything And
1: you, like you could tell the difference He'd, between a 36 and a 38
0: yeah yeah you can yep our next nominee is a zeb guess who wrote it Casimir, <laughs> yeah. What were you doing all year, year, year? Jeez. Kaz, tell me. I was riding shorter travel things. I was oh, I yeah. don't a make 20 Zeb yet. <laughs> yeah. Kaz, can you tell me why the Zeb is nominated as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, the Zeb falls right in that same category as that 38, just kind of bigger, burlier version of, uh, you know, bigger, burlier version of the Lyric, similar internals, but again, extra stiffness. You can get it in the. I think this one comes up all the way to a 190, I believe, um, yeah, I was impressed with this one as well. It used to pretty low pressure. I think, you know, for me, my air pressures ended up being like in the 50s and one PSI up or down does make a noticeable difference. You can really in. Did you like dialed it in. about it or? I did like it. It just feels like this bike or this fork feels kind of, um, let's see, compared to the 38, it's almost more like a little plusher. It's hard to describe the difference, um, kind of more ground huggy than the 38. And the setup was pretty simple. You know, it doesn't have... Uh, quite as many adjustments as the thirty eight, so i think out of the box you just want to get a fork dialed ready to go this one this one does that but um yeah just a good addition to this again this one i didn't have any harshness issues or we, anything we do have a full zeb versus 38 thing yeah yeah dan roberts has had both and he's done some uh, plenty of back-to-back so he's going to do a more in-depth thing rather than just me saying i found this one to be a little more plush but
0: kaz looking at the 38 and the zeb to me, the 38 would be for someone who wants dials to turn and likes that th- kind of stuff. And looking at the Zeb, it has way less adjustments, and it might be more for somebody who would be sort of set and forgetty.
2: Yeah, I think that works. I mean, you, realistically, the only adjustment you're lacking on the Zeb that compared to the 38 is the high-speed rebound. Otherwise, it has all the same adjustments. Um, oh, well, only one less. Yeah, so it's really not that much. But I do find that it's just like it just seems it's a little bit quicker to set up, but again you can get them both dialed you know easily within a day or so i found yeah um yeah. The, the light the weight is a bit lighter though that's one thing most worth noting i think it's like 130 grams or so different which you're probably not gonna be counting grams on your big ride ish bike but you know something to
0: mention does that oh, all than up yeah exactly so we've got two more forks to talk about uh, and the first one is Kane Creek's Helm. This is the newest version of the Helm. They've updated it. Hey, guess who wrote it? Casimir, <laughs> can you tell me about the Helm? Tell me about the updates. <laughs> I can tell you.
2: <laughs> so with this, uh, yeah, the new Helm, I think you actually wrote the last version of it. We both spent some time on the last one. You kind of mentioned it had a pretty firm compression tune, kind of felt like one of those forks you have to go fast, hit things hard, or just didn't feel uh, quite as quite as supple as some of the other options out there. So with this new one, they gave it a new compression and mid-valve circuit, gave it some lighter weight damper oil, and they redesigned the air piston. So basically the internals are all reworked compared to the original. Um, and that made it, you know, that's how it ended up on this list. Kind of has a nice, super supple feel. Uh, I put it on, let see, I think I had a 140 version, but you can adjust the travel pretty easily internally. Um, so you don't have to buy different air springs or anything. And yeah, it kind of just hit the market. A really, really good feel.
0: Yeah, I rode the first version and one of the biggest things that I liked about this fork is that they sent me one fork and it was set to like, I want to say 150 or 160 millimeters. This was years ago now when it first came out and I rode it on, you know, some sort of trail or enduro bike. And then I had a sort of burlier trail, short travel trail bike in and I just dropped the helm down 120 millimeters and it's, it was super simple. All the parts are inside the fork. It's not really hard to do. Um, but the big, the neatest thing to me is that it wasn't one of those like spindly 120 millimeter forks. It was a, it's a very stout thing. So if you're the kind of rider who you want short travel, but you want something that is burly and stiff, the helm is a good option. Yeah. And the last fork on our list is one Kaz didn't ride it's olin's dh38 downhill fork uh the dh38 received an update and a whole bunch of improvements all around uh damper improvements Included a new piston and a low-speed needle design, as well as some refinements as to the way the oil circulates in the system. Uh, it's still using their three-chamber air spring. Now that sounds kind of complicated, but what it does is it lets you adjust the amount of support you have in there, and you could basically not use any of those silly tokens to put inside your fork. You can just do it all without the tokens pretty neat. Lastly, you can get this thing with four different crowns uh, to tune how your bike handles. So Kaz, why is the DH38 nominated? Yeah, it's kind of
2: an underdog. I think some people thought the, you know, Zebra 38, the bigger companies that everyone's heard of would have won. But this one, uh, Dan Roberts spent a bunch of time on this fork and he's doing a bunch of back-to-back testing with this versus the Fox 40 and the RockShox Boxer. Um, And he's just basically blown away by it. And he's testing over in champry in Switzerland. So and he's also ridden the Zeb and the thirty eight. Um and so he's ridden all these ones. And so after a lot of discussion, we decided that Owens is going to get the award for just kind of putting out a fork that excellent performance and the most challenging conditions out there. And yes, it's a downhill fork and a lot of people don't have downhill bikes these days, but you know, there's a good chance this stuff's gonna trickle down. You'll see it in their single crown offerings. Um so Owens is moving in a good direction and that's why the DH38M.1 gets the award.
0: Kaz, you just gave it away. We hadn't yeah. said who won yet. Oh, <laughs> well, could. now we did.
2: Well, now you know. Hey. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Backward there we go. Can, can somebody <laughs> add in
0: like some trumpet sounds? When he says it. <laughs> so let's talk about some comments here. Quinn39 says, Dior got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Dior is so good that it wins suspension product of the year. It'd be nice yep. if we
1: could just... Yeah, one product just wins everything. Make our job so
0: much easier. Right? Yeah. Uh, Muckall says the suspension product of the year should be any product I use. If it's not, then it's wrong. I think that's pretty. That describes most, <laughs> most yeah. yep. of the comments on most of the awards articles. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, the next comment is one we're going to address. This is from Lawman91, and he says, No Sid on the list. I thought it would be a shoe in for a nomination because uh, it was basically all over the front of our downcountry test bikes. Um, well, the issue there, That's we did have some he problems. He called you mist- basically <laughs> Mr. Country. <Down We> <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to read that part. <laughs> um, we had some issues with some of our test forks. My original test fork that I wrote my long-term review on at the time when that review went live, the fork was performing perfectly. I didn't have any concerns whatsoever. And then uh, shortly after the review went live, it started developing some bushing play that quickly grew to a lot of bushing play. And then we also had a couple test bikes come in uh, with Sid Forks that developed bushing play as well. And that's why it's not nominated. That's four, four the thing or five is,
1: bikes now, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. altogether, yeah. Um, thing is... It works really damn well. Like, it's stiff. It feels. I don't want to say it's a mini pike. That's like going too far. But, like, in some ways, it sort of feels like a mini pike. But we can't nominate it if it had uh, some reliability issues, which it definitely did. So, fingers crossed that they can figure out the production on that. And because uh, it's an excellent fork yeah. if it works. Well, I mean, I also have a whole bunch that don't have bushing plays. Right. No. So, it yeah, just. I think-
2: I think it's probably a batch, a bad batch or something. So yeah, we'll, you know, hopefully that's been fixed because yeah, like Levy says, it's a great fork when it
0: doesn't have bushing play. Right. And then our last comment is from Peloton seven. He says, who rides pure downhill bikes anymore? This is the suspension product of the year for something like five people who only ride lifts. And Kaz, I think you touched on that. What did yeah. you say? Um,
2: yeah. I mean, Peloton's not wrong, but <laughs> there are less downhill riders than ever, but still you know, a lot of technology can trickle down and you know, fork that feels this good and the dual crown version, you know, hopefully it trickles down into the single crown options that Owens offers. And, and then people that don't ride downhill bikes can enjoy it.
1: And it's, it's product of the year. It's not, necessar- or it's not necessarily most most commercially viable and accepted product of, out there this year. You know, yeah, it's, exactly.
0: it's what was best. So we're going to wrap this thing up with our last category. It's the big one. It's mountain bike of the year. Uh, Kaz, can you tell me the rules and guidelines here for the mountain bike of the year before we get into this? Because it is sort of specific um, about bikes being available and whether they have to be new or not and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. So all the bikes nominated for bike of the year, they have to be visibly and technically new models. So it can't just be a new paint job on something that's already been out, Um, you know, you know, geometry changes and other things like that, those still qualify, but it has to be a, a new bike for 2021 or 2020 or 2021. Um, they also have to be, they can be from any category. So anything from a downhill bike to a hardtail are are viable in this category. Um, and then they're judged basically on their performance, technical design aspects, component speci- specification, and then application to their category the retail pricing and the value are considered, but they're not emphasized. So you can get some bikes in here that are pretty expensive. That's why we have the whole separate value category.
0: Yeah. And our first bike on our nominee list, it's that specialized Stump Driver Evo that you rode, Kaz, and it sounded like you fell in love with it. Can you give me give me a short spiel as to why this thing's been nominated?
2: Yeah. Uh, basically 150 millimeters rear travel, 160 mil up front, 29 inch wheels. There is a mullet length option. Uh, but basically what What this bike has is just a super refined frame. Um, You can adjust the geometry. There's eight different possibilities, maybe even more than eight, but you can adjust the head tube angle. You can just bottom bracket height, chainstay length. All these things are available, um, and it's a pretty effective geometry change. It's not just like a little half degree here, half degree there. You can make it have from a 63 to a 65.5 degree head angle. So basically, you can get this bike and set it up exactly to your terrain and your riding style. The
1: thing that I like about the geometry adjustments that they provide is that they're largely independent so you you don't need to ruin your seat tube angle to get a slacker head tube angle
2: yeah exactly there's a lot of uh yeah effective adjustments basically and then it has all the nice little refinements that specializes very good at with the frame you know it's got the swap box like we've been talking about before just the just cable routing all the little details are sorted so it's kind of a good example of a modern uh, aggressive trail bike all mountain bike whatever you want to call it
0: that pass-through cable routing is dialed, isn't it? Yeah, they've got it figured out. Like, you look close, like, oh, yeah, they, they know how this works. Yeah, yeah. So that's why the Evo is on our list. The next one is the Spur. This is a bike that I rode the hell out of during our downcountry field test. And I fell in love with this thing because it's a really interesting combination of uh, geometry that can just let you be a wild man. And also capable suspension, but short travel suspension. And it's from a company, Transition, that traditionally doesn't really make these kind of bikes. This thing, the Spur, ended up weighing, I think, just under 25 pounds from Transition with geometry that lets you do things that you shouldn't be doing on a 25-pound bike. I had a lot of fun on that thing. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It's super fun. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I like bikes that make you ride like a silly person. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Kaz, have you been on a Spur yet?
2: I have. Yeah. I really like yes. it. Yes. I would, yeah. It'd be one on my list of bikes to own for sure. Just because it's, it's just different enough, but it still lets you, it doesn't hold you back either.
0: So. Right. So speaking of bikes that are on your list to own Kaz, there's another thing on here that you have been riding a lot of, and that's the Commencal Meta TR. Yep.
2: Um, yeah. So that bike, 140 millimeters of rear travel, 160 fork up front, just kind of closer to that tank-like side of things, but you can still pedal it. It's got very modern geometry. They steepen the c tube angle, give it a longer reach. Um, yeah, that bike just kind of, I don't know, just kind of stuck with me this year. I feel like I've talked about it every podcast for the last few weeks, but yeah, uh, yeah, it just works well. Just, I'd still have it now because it's kind of my long-term tester at the moment and, uh,
0: been super impressed with it. Yeah. When we rode the previous version of that bike in Sedona, the impression that I got from it was just like, a, oh, we're doing that ride. Oh, we're doing any ride yeah that's I'll just grab that come itself <laughs> yeah exactly right? that's what' it's, it's fun for
2: that and you know it wouldn't be my normal like more cross country oriented pick because if you're on a, a a ride with kind of rolly terrain you want something light and fast and that but for pretty much everything else especially where I live here yeah I'm a big
0: fan of it right all right so the next bike on our list is the raw Madonna v2 and I know somebody who is a big fan of this thing his name's Brian Park and he's my boss Brian. Tell me about the Madonna. I am not
1: qualified to make big statements about bikes, but I quite enjoyed mine this year. Yeah, it's it's a tank of a bike, and how much does it weigh? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> private. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not light. I think mine's thirty-five ish. Um, it, oh, sorry. Here's this is the embarrassing part. It's thirty-five ish, and right now it has. Exo Plus casing tires on it.
2: There's nothing to be ashamed of. Those, those work. work. Yeah, those Yeah, but great. for
1: a bike that is as enormous and smashy as it is, it should probably have bigger tires.
2: just no, be not for it's a smooth fine. guy like yeah. So you smooth. Yeah. <laughs> Flow <of> like <light> water. <laughs> yeah. No. I think my favorite part about the RAW is that main mm-hmm. pivot bearing. It's so yeah. big. <laughs> it's enormous. Uh, like it's over, overbuilt. Um, yeah. What's, What's the idea with the Madonna? Brand? It's the
1: most regular, extra regular, ultra regular everyman
0: enduro bike, and but they're being pretty damn smart about it, aren't they? It's not not that regular. Well, it's just subtly regular. I don't know. I'm a I'm a big fan. It's
1: made in in the Genio factory that we know pretty well. Ruben is a smart guy, um, over in Switzerland doing these. It's you know, it's got progressive enough geometry um i do yeah i do like seeing folks like this come up with interesting ideas and just do a really good job of it oh i should also mention he's done a cool thing with providing two different links for depending on your weight um to keep the suspension performance more sort of in the the lighter riders can get the same performance as heavier riders depending on which link you use
2: yeah, it's a bike that you could almost think it's boring, but then it has like the little seals, the extra seal on the uh, on the bearing seal to keep water out of there. It's got external cable routing. It's just one of those bikes that's built yeah. to last and it's not disposable.
1: Ruben thinks about things like designing all of the faces of all of the shapes so that they shed mud and so that things fall off the bike more. Like The mud and debris falls off of the bike. There's no pockets for things to get stuck in, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, when you look at it, like like i was saying like it, it is regular but it's also yeah. not like it's so mm-hmm. clean and perfect looking how much does a frame cost Brad? i do not know <laughs> i have no idea i'm sorry <laughs> <It's true. laughs> i'm not a tech editor i don't need to know this stuff that's, Kaz, true.
2: You, that's wrote the, true. you wrote that's a, true. That's that's true. F- the Kat's frame only, yeah it's like a dollars uh, 2400 $2, at least it was before i'm not sure what the okay what it yeah so somewhere it's,
0: it's there. not a you know, it's not terribly inexpensive it's, but, it's yeah, a, it's but it's it's not budget it's but it's not crazy it's like in the yeah. yeah. Okay, so before we get to our winner, we're going to go over some other honorable mentions as well. we got the new Santa Cruz 5010, the new Scalpel. We had that bike in our cross-country field test. The new Specialized Stump Jumper, we just had that in our field test. Uh, that's a great new trail bike. Rocky Mountains Altitude. Kaz, that was your favorite bike out of the enduro bikes that you just reviewed. Uh, Trek Slash as well. And of course, the Game Changing Grim Donut.
2: Yep, and that would have won, but for that rule in the rule book that says it has to be available for the public to purchase, and I haven't finished (laughs) that yet.
0: Haven't quite sorted that out yet. (laughs) Worked out the liability,
3: liability. Yeah,
0: some (laughs)
2: issues.
0: (laughs) All right, drum roll. Kaz, tell me who won.
2: All right, and the winner is that specialized Stumpjumper Evo. So for all those reasons I mentioned, basically got effortless handling, ability to excel on a wide range of terrain, and then we've got that down-tube storage, and the fact that it's just built on six different sizes and you can ad- adapt it just to work exactly to your, your local riding area and your style. So if you're going to look up like what a modern mountain bike should be and can look like, it's that Stumpjumper Evo. It's, uh, you know, when I look at that bike, I would be
1: not afraid to recommend it to such a wide range of people and such
0: a wide range of trains. Okay, I got, a, I got a question for you guys. Why did you guys, why did we give the nod to the Evo over the regular Stump Jumper?
2: I think that, I mean, you could probably give it to both of them if you wanted to. They're both great bikes, but I do think that the geometry adjustments on this one do make it really even more versatile than that Stump Jumper is. Like that Stump Jumper obviously is going to work well in a ton of places. Same thing, like pretty much anybody could hop on their regular Stump Jumper and have a good time. But with this bike, you could make it like some super slack more downhill oriented thing or make it pretty much a, just a regular trail bike. Um, so I think that that versatility has a little, it could probably do a few more things than the
0: regular stump jumper. A little more capable. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's go over some comments. And the first one is from KCY 4130. He says the bike of the year is back ordered to late 2021. <laughs> probably. hundred like, percent. Definitely. We say available? <laughs> We don't
2: necessarily mean available at the bike shop in the size you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was a point in time when it was available, but since then, probably not.
0: (laughs) Uh, verbal Kent says, I'm surprised not to see the propane spin drift on the list. It's not even honorably mentioned. Uh, Mr. Kent Kaz, what would you tell him? You rode that bike. You really liked
2: it. I mean, I think on this list, we have to make cuts and choices at some point. So yeah, it didn't make it on this list, but again, there's nothing wrong with it. It was a good bike. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like there's just, it just didn't make the list after all discussions and the bikes that stood out the most to it, to us this year. But again, I had a great time on that propane and it
0: was a good one. Lawman 91 says, I may be biased as I own one, but great as the other bikes, no doubt are the spur has to take the win. Uh, I rode the spur a lot. I liked it. Um, we didn't give it the win. It probably doesn't appeal to quite as many riders as the Stumpjumper platform does. So the Spurs 120 millimeters and the Stumpy platform uh, is many more millimeters. Um, so yeah, that's part Fun of it. Fun fact:
1: the Transition Spur and the Stumpjumper Evo are very similar in frame weight.
0: No, there you go. Yeah, really? But
1: the the Spurs a bit. It's a bit heavy for what it is. Yeah, you sure?
0: I think the Spurs are around twenty is hundred, didn't it? I know, Kaz didn't know that, did he? I did. Jason four seventy five. He says, "Just tell me what bike or bikes the testing staff would want to keep for themselves and ride daily at the end of every couple months." These guys ride so many damn bikes that at the end of the day, a statement like "I fucking love this bike. If I could keep it, I would" means more to me than some old long-winded reviews and PB polls. He's probably right. And that's partly why we do the PB editors picks at the end of the year as well. And a lot of times the editors do end up finding a bike that we like and keeping it. Kaz, you kept that meta.
2: Yeah. Although to be fair, if I had my ideal dream world off this list, I'd probably just have a Spur and then like the Raw. Those are my two bikes. Yeah. That way I'd have like two sides of the spectrum. But that's why that meta kind of falls in the middle. So I've been using that. But, but you know, that's the thing with all these these are our shortlist. Like these nominees and things are bikes that we've all ridden and evaluated. So if you picked any one of these, you're going to have a good time. Like that, they've, We've already kind of done the, the, um, the cutting of the ones that didn't make it. So,
0: yeah. Right. And then finally, CDT77 says, None of the three new evils that debuted this year, not even the highly anticipated latest Reckoning. Same old, same old around here. Kaz, there were no EVILs reviewed or tested? No, I got on? a
2: first ride in on the, um, uh, on the reckoning and yeah, I just didn't make the list. I, you know, I did have, I thought the C2 bangle was a bit too slack on that and it didn't, the bike didn't blow me away. There was, yeah, but I only got a short ride and that's the issue we've been having with EVIL is that getting these bikes in for a longer term review, just, they haven't been able to let us have them for long enough to actually do a review. So we're totally open to reviewing anything that EVIL comes out with, but it just hasn't happened yet. So. Maybe in the future.
0: All right, everybody. That's it for our annual Pink Bike Awards and our first Pink Bike Award podcast. We hope that that explains some of our choices, some of the nominees, some of the reasons why we picked the winners to you guys. Uh, post some more comments down below. Let us know if you agree, if that helped, and we'll answer them. We'll see you next week.